Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am but one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and I am alongside, as always, Mr. John Casey Clapp. That's right. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Good day. Uh, Alex, I have to answer a text message. Okay. Sorry. I didn't. I just saw it, and it's timely. Okay. Casey is going to answer his text message while I say something that has been weighing heavily on my shoulders for a long time. Oh, no. In 1996, I committed a murder in Billingham, Illinois. Alex, <laughs> I had no clue you've been to Billingham. Uh, the other, the last week, we said on the podcast yeah. that we were going to end the podcast. That's right, we did. At the time, this was a joke. Not everybody knew that it was a joke. Some people thought we were serious, which, you know, everybody has a different radar for uh, irony and sarcasm. That's fine. Yeah. We're very sorry that we joked about this. We regret it immensely. And to show you how much we regret this folly. Our, we're going to do penance. Yes. Yeah. This is, our, this is our naked walk through the streets of King's Landing, Casey. E- exactly. To apologize in the only way we know how, we will be ending the podcast. It had to be done in order to essentially bring us a, a level of reality where we know we can't just make these kinds of jokes. There are repercussions. Yes. And we're holding ourselves accountable. That's right. <laughs> hey, but stay on the Patreon, will you? We'd really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, please do that. That's really, that's, that's what we need. Oh, Casey, we're not ending the podcast. Alex, it would be ridiculous if we did end the podcast as retribution for making a joke about ending the pod. Not retribution, as uh, repentance. Yes. I can't say penitence. You're adding a syllable. Words. Repentance. Re- repentance. Yeah, so anyway, we're not ending the podcast. Joking. That, that was but a ruse. Yeah, also, uh, it was a ruse the last time, too. As you can tell, we're here. Double rused. Hey, but you know what? Hopefully, we'll get a lot of people signing in this week because people last week would be like, I got to check to see. And right. they're looking like, oh, actually, there is a new episode. I guess I'll listen. That's a very scummy marketing <laughs> technique. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Casey, this week, as we do every week, we're going to talk about a tree. Yes, we are. And you know what? I am 
I'm very excited about this one. This week, I am Alex. too. I, I know. I know nothing about it, and I'm okay. ready to learn. Uh, Casey, we're talking about a tree this week, and the tree in question to continue our Spooktober event is the Thorn Mimosa. Yeah, it is. Scientific name? Vachelia, and the specific epithet is Nilotica. Nilotica. That's what I think, or Nilotica. Nilotica. Yes. Either way, I think is all fine. Okay. It's one of those things that is like so obviously uh, phonetic that you're worried you're saying it wrong. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I feel about this. So Vachelia Nilotica is what I think I'm going to stick with. Okay. I will too. Rolls off the tongue, Alex. It's also got a few, it's got a few common names, but we've decided to go with Thorn Mimosa. Exactly. Um, so Casey, let's imagine that you and I are walking mm-hmm. through a place that might have these tro- trees growing oh, in them. Oh, okay. And we come across these trees, funny well. enough. Let's ID this tree. Let's go for it, Alex. Uh, so the place that we may be walking mm-hmm. is vast, similar to last week, but not quite as vast. You'll recall... Last week, we talked about a species of Pisonia tree. Yes. And that tree grew essentially anywhere a tropical Pacific breeze would touch. Right. This tree grows in the almost exact opposite locations, where nearly no tropical uh, wet breeze ever blows. Alpine? Not alpine, just dry. Okay. So... The, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So you recall the last time we did a Vichelia, uh, it was Vichelia torulosa. Yes. The umbrella thorn. That's right. Oh, my God. We have another Vichelia. We sure do. We sure do. Wow. This one, the pasta is just as good, but we're going to use a pesto sauce this time. Wow. Because it's obviously the superior sauce. Okay, you're a pesto man. I mean, oh, over man. over what? Marinara? Marinara. Alfredo. Uh, Alfredo. Yeah. And almost every other kind of sauce other than maybe a garlic aioli. Every time. I would not call that a sauce. I know, but I'm showing you just how broad my perspective is okay. in terms of how superior pesto is. Big pesto guy. Yeah, I think pesto is like... Um, uh, it Better than the resto, would it, you say? Oh, thank you. I would, I would say that. It okay. crushes all the competition. Just making sure. Anyway, let's get back to this tree. It grows in a lot of different places, and I found a really good resource that describes it. And it says it grows in drier, tropical, and subtropical areas of Africa, from Senegal to Egypt, down to South Africa, Asia, from Arabia eastward to India, Burma, Sri Lanka. Damn. It's essentially that entire like uh, sphere of places going from uh, going clockwise. If uh, if South Africa is like seven o'clock, uh-huh. then it goes all the way up to like two thirty. That's crazy. All the way out there to like Southeast Asia, and it's when you think about it, there's a lot of places that are similar in there, which is essentially dry mm-hmm. habitat that's more like big grassland savanna area. Okay. That is its specialty. Now, you could tell these two apart, our previous uh, Vichella, with our current Vichella, because the Thorn Mimosa is a tree that grows in a big globe format. Ah, as opposed to a big umbrella. Exactly. Instead of being low and kind of short and maybe looking like a small mountain in the middle, kind Mm -hmm. of this big, long, flattened triangle, this looks like you take a big poof of uh, (laughs) just like a a 
ball of poof. I'm glad you said poof. Yeah. Well, yeah of course you You are. take a big, fat poof. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't even realize that. I was like, yeah, yeah what else was he going to say, Alex? Also, when you said you said Vachelia really aggressively, ooh, I did. And at the first half, I was I was getting a little worried. Ooh, like what is he going to say next? Well, yeah, you're going to uh, yell vagina at me. <laughs> you're just you're thinking in a certain way today, Alex. I guess I am, Casey. It's this change of weather. It is. It's <laughs> <gets> me all <laughs> a smoky fog over Portland, and Alex just goes straight to the toilet. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Well, so it grows over there, and it has this big, large-spreading, multi-stemmed kind of thing. So it's yeah. not a big tree. Maybe 50 feet is about the tallest that it gets, 14 meters or so. But it, if it's growing in a really rough place, stays like maybe 10 feet. Like, you know how much I love a tree that do, you can see the whole thing? Yeah, you can. This I love is, that. This is that example. Not only that, but it grows in places that usually are not forested in a traditional way. Sure. So it's more like a tree that's on, uh, on pedestal for you to see the whole thing. Yeah, you get a good line of sight. There's not going to be other shit crowding your view. No, just tall grass, maybe a zebra, that kind of thing. How amazing. Yeah, pretty nice. Now, you're looking at this tree, and the first thing that I think many people notice is it kind of looks looks a little messy. So it has like this big kind of globular form, and it has branches that come out, but because of the way the leaves grow, in my perspective, it has like a big base, but then it has like these little emergent stems that mm-hmm. kind of come out. They kind of look like they, they extend a couple feet beyond the rest of the crown. But they're so small that they kind of disappear over time. Like as they get longer, they get smaller and smaller. Okay. Basically, they're like new leaves coming out. It's an evergreen tree because it grows in places that um, are already dry, so it just kind of chills there. So as the new leaves are kind of being born and unfurling, they're very tiny. So at the very end of the twig, the the leaves are, are just, just nascent leaves. They're just about to come out. So as you're looking at the tree, it kind of gets smaller and disappears at the edge, kind of like a cloud. Yeah, you know, I, I compare this to, uh, in Photoshop, you can turn up the feather oh, on, on yeah. something. That kind so. of that kind of like turns the opacity down on the edge of something. Yes. So it kind of fades to nothing. This is exactly what it looks like. This looks like a feathered tree. And then you look at the, so I look at this tree and I go, whoa, there's like a lot happening There's here. a lot going on. And then I look at all the components and we're going to talk about those components right now. Yeah. But each component is so unique and interesting. Yeah. This is like a turducken. Like, this is just so oh God, yeah. much. It's layers upon layers upon layers yes. of mimosa thorn. Yeah. And there's just like, but there's also like, you know, here's a beef wellington. Uh, yeah. Oh, great. Uh, I stuffed it with... Um, with oysters, okay. Oh. I I also really like chocolate cakes, so I glazed it with <laughs> frosting. Uh, all right. <laughs> it's like okay, that sounds great. Uh, is there anything else you like? No. Yes, I covered it in a peanut sauce. Right. This what? is this is just like a bunch of good stuff together with no real plan, exactly or artistic vision. But when you put it all together, you're like actually. The artistic vision was there the whole time. It's it's you know it's a required taste. I think that's very fair. But I look at pictures of it as a, a little bit more of a mature tree. I say that because after five to seven years, it starts to flower and put on its fruit. Sure. And then the fruit, which we'll talk about, kind of hangs down and provides like almost a. Uh, uh, it looks like it's moving. Like if you have the tree 
and you're just looking at it. It's opaque at the edges, but then it looks like you quickly moved it up and it kind of has smeared down a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's the smudge tool. It, and- this is the smudge tool. Yeah. But it's like a slight smudge tool, almost to the point where you look at it and you can't quite focus on it. Yeah. Because the, the, the fruit also, um, I'll just say it. They're little pea pods. It's in the pea family. Yeah. Let's start with the fruit. Let's start with the fruit. Let's go backwards this time. The fruit of our lovely Vichelia tree is a little pea pod. And not only is it a little pea pod, but it's a funny little pea pod Mm -hmm. that's very closely related to our umbrella thorn, as we discussed before, where it has um, these pods that come down, and then where the seeds are, they kind of get big and fat, and then they go back down again. Then they get big and fat, and then they go back down again. And they're usually very, um, very flattened. So the uh, the umbrella thorn had like kind of big big balls of uh, where each seed was like mm-hmm. it was very circular. Um, in our case today, uh, they just really aren't. And a lot of people may be familiar with this tree if you are in um, Australia. They call it the prickly thorn down there. Uh, the prickly mimosa, prickly acacia. Uh, there's a lot of different names, and it has like these really adorable little flattened uh, pea pods. To me, they look like a, a a snake who swallowed a family of mice. Yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. that like bulbous. I guess all pea pods look like that, but this especially, it's very, it's very like in between the peas. Yeah, it gets really narrow. Yes, exactly. And it, um, before, like when they dry, they kind of get even flatter. Before they dry, they're a little bit more circular, and they look. Uh, people have described them like a um, uh, pearls, like a string yeah, of pearls. Yeah, yeah. So these are the fruits. They are flattened. They come down and they kind of get big or wide, skinny, wide, skinny, wide, skinny, wide, Mm -hmm. skinny. And then when you look at it from afar, it looks kind of like they're zigzaggy. So you have to like focus on them. Yeah. So that's why the tree itself looks like it's constantly moving up at a very quick pace. Mm. That's that's how I see it. Motion blur. Exactly. It looks like a motion Motion blur blur filter. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that's that's one element that makes it it's confusing to look at it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the flowers, which are another element that oh, makes it confusing man. to look at. So it's an evergreen tree growing in uh, these tropical locales. If it is growing in its native habitat, where there's not a whole lot of seasonality mm-hmm. in a in a sense where it's very very stable most of the year. Sometimes there's rain. Sometimes uh, it's dry. But for the most part, it's the same kind of temperature. It's the same um, the same climate. Uh, it will flower like several times a year, kind of almost wow. continuously. Maybe like every two months, it'll start putting on flowers. Really? Yeah, it's like is every five thing? to seven months. Um, it is. It's common with like tropical trees where there's no real reason for them to stop. Wow. They just like kind of keep going. It's a big energy expense, so a lot of times they'll like slow down, build up some energy, and then go again. Wow. Sometimes they do it like multiple times throughout the great season. Magnolias do this where they kind of flower a few times all the time, just kind of constantly. It's not like one big flush, and then everything quits and turns into the next thing. Mm-hmm. So you can actually get flowers and fruit on this tree at the same time. Wow. And because of Jeez. that- you get these really big, like, yellow splotches between these vertical gray, white to black drying pea pods. Mm. And those flowers are just spectacular. Amazing. I I know that a lot of people are going to be upset with this. Mostly, like I said, people from our Australian contingent 
Our hearts go out to you. This tree's horribly invasive oh, okay. in Australia and a lot of other islands and other um, other places where they have that same kind of habitat, this kind of dry tropical area. But hey, it's a novelty to us. The novelty to us and where it grows natively, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, sorry. These are great flowers, Casey. Little yellow pom-poms. Oh they're just little yellow pom-poms and they're just so gorgeous. I love them to death. They're almost like a perfect little ball. They really are. They look like a little ball of um, like a, a cotton swab or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah. yeah. Cotton ball. So, yeah, they look like truffula trees. They really do, they really Casey. Do. But just the flower, not the whole tree. Yes. We should be clear. And if we, if we through scientific, uh, what, what was I going to say? Through, through genetic engineering. <laughs> we can make this possible. <laughs> it's one big tree. Just make a giant flower. Yes. That's it. That'd be great. With monkey, uh, with monkey puzzle limbs. Yeah, exactly. Just one that grows up and then that's it. This is what I was hoping out of that video game Spore. Remember that game Spore? Oh, yes. I think I, I, think I do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, too but it bad. didn't really deliver. Hey, if anyone out there is listening and wants to make a video game, we want to see truffula trees everywhere. A, a plant and tree genetic engineering game. Now that's spooky. That would be so cool. All right, there you go. You heard it right here first. Uh, Casey, I would love to talk about the leaves. Okay. Because the leaves are one of the most... They they have one of my favorite characteristics. Yes, it does. These leaves are pinnately compound. Not only... (gasps) They are... Bipinately compound, Casey. Yes, Alex. Oh my gosh. Leaves within leaves within leaves. They are leaves within leaves upon leaves with a little bit of hair. And a little bit of leaf. Oh my gosh. They're so gorgeous. They're incredible. Uh, so we talked about them being like tiny little leaves. They come out, they have like um, about maybe six to eight or six to ten individual pairs of, they're called pennae, and those are the individual uh, leaflet leaflets. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So you have your stem. A leaf is defined by the thing that's just below the bud. So then that leaf comes out, then it branches, then those branches have those individual leaflets on them. Each one of those secondary branches that's holding the leaflets is called a pinnae or a pinule. Is this how you order, is this how you obnoxiously order uh, pasta at an Italian <laughs> restaurant? Can I have the pinnae? Like, uh, you. You're, you mean just penne? I just want to be clear. Oh, sorry. I just got back from Italy. I, anyway, It's penne, a different world over there. Like, I hate these people. <laughs> also, we need more breadsticks. Also, I would love a calzone. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes me sick. <laughs> so they uh, they grow out. They're alternately arranged uh, down the stem. Mm. They are this bright, like, bright yet also like mauve, or not mauve, it's... It's like a muted lime green, yeah, I thank would you. say. Yeah, thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. It's bright yet muted at the same time. Yeah. And they're not very big. They kind of stay uh, maybe about five, six inches long, a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, depending on kind of what's going on. Of course, the newer ones are a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. And they usually stay really kind of tight, and then they open up a little bit. So they kind of will open and close those leaflets ever so slowly. Uh, why? uh, It's based on conditions. So a lot of leaves will do this. They'll kind of close up a little bit whenever there is uh, like kind of either dry weather or cold weather. Okay. And then when everything's feeling good, they'll kind of open themselves back out again. Oh, just to protect. Yeah. They also do it when they're coming out, like unfurling. They'll be really closed as they're unfurling. Then Mm. when they're fully out, they'll kind of be like, and flip open. Okay. Yeah, they're really beautiful little things. I mean, a lot of leaves move way more than we give them credit for. That's interesting. Yeah, it's really one of these fascinating things. I guess I have seen like the time lapse 
uh, videos on planet Earth yeah. of the leaves like doing dances and shit. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the exact thing we're talking about here. Yeah. So Casey, these three elements with our with these three infinity uh, stones. Yep. We look at the we look at the Vichelia. Yep. And boy, is it a mess. And that's not even where it ends. Oh my god! We, we have a bark? fourth. Well, we have, but we haven't. We we can talk about that, but that's not the real thing that gives it this name. We don't call this <gasps> bark mimosa, Alex. We forgot the th- I forgot the thorns. It is super intense. Wow, they are so long. They may, okay, they're not like really long, but they are like I think about like two inches, maybe three inches long. And I think they can kind of get bigger and smaller. That's fucking long. That's really long. They're just super huge, intense thorns. There's two at the end of each leaf that comes out. Deadly. They really are. And you know what? They they are deadly, Alex. They are deadly. What do they kill? They ki- Well, it's. Mm, I wouldn't go so far as saying they kill something. Something kills themselves on them. Sounds spooky. <laughs> but before we get to that, Alex... Let's talk about this bark. Okay. Because this bark is actually interesting in a, in a few different reasons. Oh, we're holding off on, on talking about the thorns in oh, depth? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to let that we're gonna let that die, and maybe it'll come back to life. Oh, my God. <gasps> anyway, <laughs> Alex, what's really fun you about- You we didn't rehearse that. <laughs> what are you talking about, Alex? You sounded like Lizzo. Anyway. Oh, did I? Yeah. Could you tell her that? Yeah, I'll let her know. Okay, thanks. I mean, I know you guys like- we're buddies. You're close. We're in a we're in a flautist Facebook group together. A flautist Facebook. There's not. A, I want one more f. Oh, yeah. A lot of people have reached out to us, by the way, and I just want to. Oh, Casey. I just want to say this. What a, what a gaff. Okay, fine. Alliterations can be just two. I hate that. I hate that. Because if you just put two things together, that mm. doesn't make anything. You need like I, Alex, two. Is, is not a crowd. And I think if you're going to have something be unique, you need at least three of them. You can't stand up something on two things. It falls over. You have to have at least three legs to make something stand, Alex. Grammar so think, is not a metaphor, Casey. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. I just have to stand <laughs> on my three words is an alliteration for anyone who disagrees. Uh. Send it to us on a $20 bill, and maybe we'll consider it. People never really come after us for anything. <laughs> we got came after. But that was a little bit of a come after, that uh, that uh, alliteration can be just too. I'll say yeah. this. I think in English grammar, to some extent, your cones are your own. Yes. Okay. There are so many rules and so many things that break those rules. Yes. That you can kind of make up your own rules and just have fun with it. You're having fun with this delusion that uh, two words doesn't make an alliteration. <laughs> I'm having fun with my delusion. Yeah, like Leonardo it's... DiCaprio in Shutter Island. <laughs> He's just having a great time. He's just role playing. Shh, 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 don't tell him. He really likes this, okay? Just let him do it. Have we talked about this before? I want to see that movie from from the perspective of like one of the nurses. <laughs> no, that would be a great one. She's just sitting there watching this guy explain to other people like this big intense theory and she's just shaking her head. No, I would love that though. Oh, so fascinating. Ah, okay, fine. I accept your your alliterations are your own, but also, you know what? They're mine too. Yeah, that's right. And if you if you just say uh 
the serious serpent to me and I and want to make me be like, wow, that was very well done. You're not going to get it. You have to add one more one more thing onto her. That is a seriously stupid serpent. Then you you got me. I'm sold. sure. Hook, line, and sinker, baby. All right, all right. That's what I need. All right, all right. Sorry. Back to the show. Wow. I'm keeping every <laughs> moment of that in. <laughs> you do good. I I I think you should. Because, That's something I would usually edit out, but not today. Yeah, because now you know that this need we this needs to be addressed. I want to give you the platform. Thank you. I really appreciate you giving me the platform. It makes me feel heard. You're welcome, Casey. Now let's talk about the bark of this tree. Okay. All right. So the bark is extraordinary. The bark, the gum, wow. the leaves, the pods are all used in various traditional medicines. And it is used, uh, the bark, to do a bunch of things. One, tannin. People will make, sure. uh, they'll do tanning, tan hides out of it, tan things, and use it to make colors for cotton and other fabrics and things like that. Tannin like makes things into leather, right? Yeah, it, it kind of like yeah. treats the the hide. Yeah, and it gives it its color. Uh, oh, it gives like it that, its color. Yeah, that really darkness to it. The, okay, like, you know, uh, brown leather. It usually is tanned leather. But doesn't it also have like like uh, you know like compounds in it that help like treat it and make it like waterproof? And yeah, stuff? I believe that is the case. Okay. I I don't know hundred percent. I'm not. Like, I haven't done like a deep dive into what tanning it's is. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Hey, maybe that, uh, that's an episode waiting to happen. Yeah, all right. I have an idea already, Alex. Okay. I'm not going to tell you right now. That's what tanning is. Exactly. So what are the flowers in the pods and such used for? Oh my gosh. Uh, like a whole bunch of things. People make them into teas. They'll add it into flour. People would use it in um, like treating leprosy and coughs. Like this is the bark. They also use the gum, which we call gum arabica. Oh. That is a oh, uh, yeah yeah it's a, it's like an additive to a lot of different stuff yeah medicines and candies and a million different things yeah um that has been used to treat cancers and tumors and chest problems you name it it's been a thing that's used for millennia upon millennia upon millennia it treats cancer allegedly now this is something that uh, when you look at traditional medicines there's a, there's not necessarily the same kind of western science that's uh saying this treats this of course sometimes it's more just like you get better or something happens but it happened to be that you were being given this at the same time so then that's the traditional thing it happened once it happened a few times yeah uh they just say yeah it that's why all right all right but <clears throat> i also don't want to take credit away from the tree itself or these traditional ideas because hey they still work uh, for what reason? Maybe Western science hasn't pinpointed that, but I don't think that makes it wrong or inaccurate. Casey, I agree. Perfect. Um, so it's got like a, a bunch of different stuff. Uh, there's a lot of different resources out there that say how it's been used. And again, you think about where it's been used It's uh, in this um, kind of cradle of Western civilization where there's been people passing and trading information and technology between India and the Middle East and Africa for mm -hmm. so long. And we just happened to have been writing all these things down that all these places ended up getting uh, like basically heard. Someone wrote it down. The pharaohs used it. They wrote it down. They then traded it over to these people. They said, oh, sweet. That's how we use it too. This is wonderful. 
the Indians, they write a bunch of things down. So you ended up getting these uh, these peoples with long histories writing down all these different things. So there's lots of trees. Acacias are native to uh, Australia. There's other species native to the southern United States, Mexico, and Guatemala. All of those plants probably have really similar uses. Okay. Um, it just so happens these ones uh, in the quote-unquote old world have uh, – everyone got written down. So we still uh, we still see them. Interesting. Well, Casey, we got plenty more to say about this. Boy, do we. Uh, single quote deadly tree. Mm. I'm not putting these in, in two quotes. Yes, okay. I think, I think it's, <clears throat> it's very British of you. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but we got to say all that after the break. We will be right back with more Completely Arbitrary Spooktober 2022. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the Thorn Mimosa, aka a bunch of stuff. But I feel like lately we've been talking about a lot of trees that have like 20 AKAs. Yeah, right. And I'm just sort of like, I just want to pick one and land on it oh. really hard. Well, which one do you want to land on? The Thorn Mimosa, Casey. All right, I think that sounds really good. So today we're talking Thorn Mimosa, and you tease that there's more to say about the titular thorn. Yes, I have two things to say about this. Okay. The first thing is that it is called, rather it used to be called, uh-huh. in a very uh, Latin traceable way, the thorn. Thorns. Acacia comes from the old Greek acaca, A-K-A-K-I-A, something like that. Okay. And acacia is interesting in that there used to be acacias from all over the world it was one big gigantic group of plants big family big family uh well actually no the family is uh the pea family i shouldn't go that far oh big just one genus big genus yeah big genus in the family pea which is fabaceae with a b and there used to be uh i think there's like some 900 species of what used to be known as i'm sorry what is known as acacia down in uh, Australia and New Zealand, kind of the Oceania area. How many species? 900? Like Something like 900, okay. yeah. There's <clears throat> another probably 
80 or 100 native to Mexico. Mm. There's a native species to uh, like the more southern areas of um, South and Central America. That's a good amount. There's a good amount. They're kind of all over the place. And then, of course, you have these old populations in um, Asia, like in India and all the areas that we're talking about for our species of tree. And so it used to be called, all of these, acacia. And it was the second largest genus in uh, this entire pea family. Yeah, hold on. So how many how many species of conifer are there, Casey? Ooh, 630. There are 66% more, Yeah, or 30, I don't know how to do math. Some significant amount. <laughs> more species of acacia yeah. than there are of all conifers. Yes, correct. That's, that's a, hey, that's a fun fact. Take oh, that to your next yeah. lame party. So um, the reason I bring this up is because we're talking about the titular thorn. Yeah. Um, I love calling things thorns just as a, as like a hawthorn tree. Get rid of the haw, just call it a thorn. That's a thorn. Yeah, I think that's really fun. Yeah. But the funny thing is, um, these trees that literally come from the Greek word for thorn, and now we pronounce it as acacia, when it, back then I think because they did hard seas, it would have been acacia. Okay. So, um, acacia, and if you think of uh, the way language, if you think back to our episode where we talked about language and we played that game where you would read a bunch of words and decide, wait, is this word, um, is it mean a round thing or a sharp thing? And like, oh, yeah. Syllables and like how they pronounced birds or fish, I think is what right. it was. Right. Yes. We had two columns of words. Yeah. And one of them was a fish and one of them was a bird. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So this tree, the tree that we're talking about, is the titular thorn that goes back to the Greek acacia. So are the are thorns on roses named after Um you would probably call that an acake. But then this tree itself would be the acacia. It would be like this is the thorn, those have thorns. An A versus a the. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. This, so, this is the thorn. That is a thorn. Uh, yes. But wouldn't you also say that the tree is a thorn? Exactly. That's what sets it apart. Wait a minute. Alex, are you following? No, I don't. I, I think you're the one who's not following, my what? friend. What have I done? <laughs> Order in the court. Order. <laughs> I lost track. I can't really. I can't. I, I was saying, I was saying that tree is a thorn. Yes, acacia. That thing on a rose is a thorn. A cake. <laughs> Whatever. I think that's It really correct. doesn't matter, I, I reckon. All right. Well, it comes back from uh, this one guy who used the term. Uh, his name was Diosorides, and he mm. was this ancient Greek uh, kind of botanist uh, medical guy. Sounds really Greek. Yeah, it, it is, right? Diosorides. So he, it's pronounced, I mean, I don't know the exact Greek language, uh, but it is what, I think it'd be an alpha, then what is the letter K, then an alpha, then what is the letter K, then an I, then an A. Okay. But they would pronounce it with that harder C sound, um, so it wouldn't have been, uh, like, Lucius would have been Lucas or something like that. Right, Lucius. Yeah. So in this case, the tree that we're talking about, this is the what used to be the type species of all acacia. Mm. And you'll remember... The type species means that when you go and find another plant that looks like it, right. the type species is the the one. It's like they have to look like this in order for that to be put into this genus. Right. So when you're categorizing, 
you you find a new tree that you think might be a part of that family or yeah, genus. Exactly. You have to compare it to the type species. Exactly. And see how close it is. Exactly. Close enough. Cool. Add it in. It's now a part of that genus. So this tree really is the thorn. It is. But in the last 20 some years, um, basically botanists were like, actually, no. Mm. And there's all these species in Australia that are a monotypic gene or monotypic clade, excuse me, mm. which means they are one big family of plants. You cut that family that branch off that family tree they're all over there whereas all the rest diverged all over the place somewhere and they're just different enough that they're like these can't all be the same genus we have to split these up Hmm. but because this one is the type species they were like well it can't not be an acacia because the term acacia defines all acacias and is defined by this tree yeah but This is where we're going to just touch the surface of this and talk about something else afterwards because this is a this is a a a botanical fire that we don't want to wade into. Oh my god, I can't wait! In uh, 2005, Mm -hmm. the powers that be voted coincidentally, I believe, in Australia that the acacia was going to be now transferred to only those 900 some species from Australasia. And that will be the type species for acacia. And everything else is going to be changed. And they changed them to Singalia. The American lineages are Acaciella and Marisosa. And the last one is Vichelia. Oh. So acacia not only has been ripped apart to five different genres. Yeah. The type species for acacia was taken. Oh my god. From our lovely tree that we're talking about right now which used to be known as acacia nilotica. A usurper among us. It's a usurper and now oh not god. only has been stripped of its its royalties, it's now the type species for vichelia which is kind of this like eh whatever you you know just this old thing. It founded an about. it's founded its new a new house. Exactly. It's got a new house, different name entirely and it is very controversial right now. Wow. Because you are not supposed to do that. That's like the big thing that you're not supposed to do. Right. But when they realize that this other family is like completely like way bigger, they're like, there's 900 compared to like maybe a hundred or some of these. We can't like in good conscience just like stick with that because it doesn't make any sense. It also breaks this other rule. It's like the biggest one kind of has the type species and all these things. Sure. It's very controversial. Let me ask you this. Why? So you say you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Why? I don't know. (laughs) Well, there you go. And I don't want to get into it any further than that because inevitably we're going to get like botanically canceled. Someone's going to be like, there's a good reason for it. And they Oh, brother. Wow. And there's another reason I want to talk about this titular thorn. Okay. I just thought we should note that the thing that we're saying is not the thing that we're saying anymore. By the way, if we were going to get botanically canceled, it would have happened by now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's coming down the line. I can I can hear I can hear the rumbling. Someone's like, have you heard this new podcast? <laughs> They're talking about what we do, and I don't like it. Oh, Lord. Alex. What? You remember how I said that this tree kills things? Rather, I'm sorry, you said that. You kind of winked when I said it. Like, exactly. You were like, oh. I was like, eh, it doesn't quite. 
quite kill things. I can't believe we're moving on from that last subject so fast. Do by you want to come back? Hold on. Let's take a breath. Let's take a breath. How do you feel about Vichelia? I just think it's interesting. I think this yeah. is like a great HBO series waiting to happen. <laughs> it is. They're ripping apart of the families, yeah. like how they how they're like torn apart and one takes over the the actual family name and they're not necessarily the biggest, most oldest part of that family. Exactly. Alex, uh the thorn of the acacia tree is known across the world. Mm. Of course we know this because generally speaking, acacias, and I'm gonna say this in a lowercase a. All of the trees that used to be in the genus Acacia, I'm including right here. Funny enough, except the ones that don't have thorns, but let's not even get into that. <laughs> Everyone's mind just exploded where I just made this huge argument about the name being Thorn, and now also there's some that don't even have thorns. Oh my gosh, what a mess. I'm, I'm a sicko is what who, I am. Who made this mess? Was it you? It was me. I definitely did. And, you know, also these other people, but... Messes are what we're here for. Mm. And I want to talk about a mess that not is made by us, Alex, but made by birds. Yeah, we don't clean them up. We just make them. We don't clean them up. That's not what we're here for. Birds, of course, yes. Birds, birds make messes. Have you ever dealt with a bird's mess before? Oh, I've never been shat on by a bird, if that's what you're asking. I have had that happen, actually, a couple yeah. different times. Also, I've had to clean it off uh, you know, vehicles. Or, um, oh, sure. If you walk downtown Portland, uh, where the crows like to hang out, uh, they just shit everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's awesome, though. I love it. Like, you walk, go downtown Portland. You love it? Oh, Alex, have you ever gone... Fucking weirdo. Come on. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to just be like, there are so many birds here that you literally can't lick the sidewalk. Oh, my God. Shut yeah. up. That's so gross. You can't. I mean... Bird shit is disgusting. It's one of those things that, like, makes my, my the back of my throat water. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. oh God. I'm sorry. Well, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Yeah. Luckily, we're not talking about poop here. Great. So we're going to move on past that. Uh, take Great. a drink of water. Relax. Now... Have you heard of a small bird called a shrike? Yeah. Tell me about the shrike, Alex. Um, in Pixar's Up, uh. the uh, the the old man in the beginning, mm. he tricks the kid. Uh, maybe he calls it a snipe. Yes, a very different bird. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, uh, so I guess I don't really know anything about the shrike. Okay. I think there's a, a, a medieval weapon called a shrike. Ooh, I don't know about that. Um, it's like a throwing weapon, I believe. Mm, perhaps. I wouldn't be surprised. It fits the it fits what we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, the Shrike uh, is also. I think there's a there's like a superhero or comic book uh, thing about this, and they're all related to this bird. Now, what's interesting about uh, this bird is it is a predator, but huh. it doesn't predate on things the way that kind of you expect a normal bird to predate on big things. Um, I'll give you an example. You are thinking of like a bird of prey, right? Mm -hmm. What defines that bird of prey? Uh, bird of prey. It's interesting they call it a bird of prey, not a yeah. bird of predator. Uh <laughs> I, a bird of prey to me, size, it's got to be a big bird. Okay. Big talons, uh, sharp beak. Big talons and a sharp beak. Yeah. Okay. Now, that is very good because they are using those talons. Most of these birds, owls, hawks, kites, like those kinds of, you know, things, peregrine falcons, Don't eagles. Don't forget eagles. Exactly. Sorry. 
they will go find a thing and they'll use their strong uh, arms or strong hands, their mm-hmm. talons to like kill it and rip it apart and like eat it and like do all that crazy stuff. Right. Very metal. They will also use their giant strong wings and bodies to like catch something and fly away with it. Yeah. And hold it down with one hand while they eat it or rip it apart with the other hand, right? Yeah. So, have you ever heard of the bird passerine? No. Or the word, the, the term passerine as applied to birds? I have not. It's essentially um, a kind of a non descript word it's kind of like saying a tree you know how we have like birds and uh, trees as like these big general categories mm-hmm. um well a passerine bird is one of those lowercase categories that like eh, it doesn't describe like a group of birds that are all one clade it's just kind of a general thing like songbirds okay okay and essentially uh that is what a passerine bird is. They call them perching birds. And they're distinguished by other birds because they have certain kinds of toes, one that points backwards and a couple that go forwards. Oh, yeah. And they just like sit on things. But, you know, songbirds is the way that we describe it. Sure. Your little tiny birds that aren't really doing a whole lot, they're scavenging for seeds. You see them at the bird feeder. Uh, maybe they'll like get, you know, snakes and uh, little kind of animals every now and then. But they don't really, uh, they're not really like birds that are going to go catch mice or birds that go catch big frogs or snakes or other birds, Okay. generally speaking, except for the shrike. Uh. And because of this unique situation, the shrike has developed a unique thing that's very closely related to where it lives and what it lives on. What I mean by that, Alex? Because I, I see you looking directly at me, and you're like, I don't know where Casey's going with this. <laughs> a little, a little bit. Well, so they do like the same kind of perching, hawking thing that other birds do. Um, and I'm not a bird expert. There's lots of you who are out there, and we love you for listening yeah. this far. Please continue. My friend Adam Stone is going to love this episode. Okay, great. Or Adam, hate it. I don't this know. Is, this is for you. Please email, email us with all the things I got wrong. <laughs> um, but the reason that we're doing a shrike uh, in our Spooktober is that as we did last week where the uh, the tree actively used and killed the birds, this, the script is kind of flipped ah. a little bit where the birds are not killing the tree, but they're using the tree to kill or uh, otherwise hold on to things that have already been killed. Do they, do they, is this like when leopards drag deer up into the tree? Yes. Oh, Alex, that's so perfect. That's exactly what it is. The shrike, because it's this little passerine bird. So fucked up. It doesn't have the strength to like actually sit on something, hold it with its feet and rip it apart. Sure. So what it does is it catches something. And Alex, I got to take one side note to say this isn't just a bird that kind of goes down and says, gotcha, and then it goes and does something with Mm -hmm. you. It attacks and grabs like a mouse or something like that. Bites it in its beak, which is kind of the top is a little bit pointed down right at the tip. It like flies at speed, grabs it by the neck, and then like twists and rotates Ah. and and gives uh, gives the little animal whiplash, breaks its spinal cord, and then flies it up to an acacia tree or more commonly now a like some barbed wire, and then it will pull and rip that animal's body onto this three-inch thorn inside this tree. Wow. And just leave it there. 
And not eat it? It will eat it if it's hungry, but otherwise it, it's a larder for some birds. For other birds, it, uh, it'll it sit there. There's a species and another tree. It's not the same thorn that we're talking about. Um, it's one that is native to the United States um, in one of these shrikes. It will uh, get things in the southwestern United States that are like really poisonous, like uh, monarch butterflies and um, the this big beetle or this big cricket, rather, and snakes that are poisonous, all these kinds of things. And it will fly and get them, pull them onto it, and leave it there for a couple days so that the, the poisons and the, the venoms oh and all my. these things kind of like go away. <laughs> and then it'll come back and it will eat them. It's curing it. Yeah. Oh boy! Isn't that insane? that is? I I will I will give. I haven't given one of these in a while. That fact gives uh, that that bird in this whole process. Yeah, Cross and stump of approval. Vagoosh! Oh, that Big just time. makes me so happy. Big time, dude! It that's is that's top five uh, that I've so learned gnarly. in this entire podcast. That's yeah. crazy. I had no idea. You can look up, uh, and we'll post a, a link to this on our website. There's a, a BBC documentary. I think it's just one of those, um, a planet Earth. And there are these birds that are just flying around and they're just like yanking these bodies uh, of lizards onto these giant thorns on these acacia trees. It's, it's just so, so like, it's so extra. It's like, why do you need to do that? I, I don't, you know, the reason that they're doing it, because people I'm sure have thought about this, they're like, are, those, are these birds just like so masochistic? Yeah. Uh, but it is two ways. One, they're they're very ter- territorial birds. So they will go like, go down and just like freak out all the other birds and be like, get out of here. Wow. But they're not like, like big scary birds that attack other birds. They do sometimes. It is documented. But they usually will be like, get away from this. This area is mine because it's my larder. I'm going to store stuff here because, oh man, there's so many lizards here. I have to catch all these lizards right now. I'm not that hungry. I'm going to put it in the fridge. Mm. I'm going to eat it later. Or maybe it is uh, eating and feeding for another. It, they usually are monogamous, so they mate Aww. with one other bird. Then they would say, hey, here's a, here's a bunch of food for you while you're sitting on the clutch Aww. of eggs. Then once the eggs hatch, then they eat the they have this stuff stored for their children. Okay, it's sweet now. Exactly. But they also do it um, in case they are just letting that thing die and they're not strong enough to rip it apart themselves. They'll pull it onto the thing and they just eat it from the side. I guess, you know, you got to use the tools you have. You totally do. And uh. <laughs> if you are living in a, uh, let's say, a dry savanna oh, area, geez. there are very few trees. So you sit in a tree and you look around and you find all these animals uh, in the, the savanna area around you. You catch them. Where are you going to look to put your nicely, newly, freshly caught squirrel? Mm-hmm. In your acacia tree, and you'll rip it down on one of those gigantic thorns. So this tree, let's go back. The thorns probably developed because of um, other animals coming over and eating, so they develop thorns to protect themselves. Sure, your megafauna. It's your megafauna issues, your giraves. Your giraves. However, (laughs) this bird has taken advantage of the situation of the titular thorn tree to use it to just the, the most intense, most metal possible way you can think about it. Yeah, man, that's pretty interesting. Isn't that wild? Um, Casey, I, I I can't think of a better time to get into our review of this tree. I agree. Let's get let's throw a little review to the shrike as well. <laughs> um, yes. I will say I I googled while you were talking. A shrike is a throwing weapon. Mm. 
like a throwing star, right, or a throwing knife. Gotcha. So I, I would bet you money that the Shrike weapon is named after the bird because it's a little thing that flies through the air and bites yeah. into you. Yep, I would 100% agree. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Uh, just that's for the medieval warfare fans out there. Hey, shout out. We love you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree and give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of honor. Casey, as our resident um, lizard larder uh, storage person, Ooh, we'll almost begin an with alliteration, you. but not quite. I get to go first. That's then, right. Okay, I wasn't sure if you said that. I was just laughing. Yeah, I, we, we once, begin with you okay. is the end of that, that scripted portion. My review yes. of the Babel tree or the Vichelia tree. We said we were going to hard land on... Ah, you're right. You're right. Okay, it is the thorn, mimosa thorn. Thorn mimosa. All right, Alex. That's what I have. Is it supposed to be mimosa thorn? I think, no, you're good. I read okay. it correctly. You're good. The mimosa thorn. Mm. I think this tree is pretty rad. I don't know if I like it in terms of the uh, the aesthetics. I know we're talking about it. The flowers are gorgeous. I the the fact that when I look at it, my eyes kind of go cross eyed a little bit. Yeah, kind of freaks me out. Sure, a little bit of a freak out. It's hard to look at. It, it is. It's hard to look at. Um, I do have to say I prefer the uh, umbrella thorn in terms of form. More so, just because I like that kind of like long cloud-like thing, mm-hmm. rather than this like poof where it looks more like ball lightning or something like that. Um, but I don't think that this tree necessarily is one that we should just just do on the aesthetics because I think there's a whole bunch of other things that go on. There certainly there's is a lot happening. Yeah, on the uh, it's planted in like India as a street tree all the time. Like it's oh, a wow. big it's a big time used tree. There are uh, it's in agroforestry. People use it for wood. It's got every use under the sun. It grows pretty quickly. You can plant it in the roughest places and it will do just fine because of this really big deep system of roots it's a tree that has been uh intimately connected with humanity for millennia 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 that's pretty cool and on top of that it has this other connection with birds that just absolutely blows your mind yeah and i really like the idea of a tree that like doesn't mind that I like the idea mm. that this tree, you're just walking through, and you're like, oh my God, what's the matter? And the tree's like, ha ha, gotcha. No, 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 don't worry. I didn't do this. Uh. No, 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 this is not me. I hope, you, I hope you're fine. But anyway, I always love when people see that. Uh, how, 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 enjoy your day. <laughs> I think it's great that this tree is used that way. Um, so it kind of makes up for it. I don't think that um, the tree has like anything that's outstanding aside from how it's used by a bird that might be a bit of a psychopath. So for that, I'm going to give it like a very, very solid 7.3. Okay. Which, if you add them together, they make 10. This is a metaphorical score. It's a metaphorical score. Okay. Yes, exactly. Got it. 7.3 Golden Cones of Honor for Vicelli Nalotica. That's right. Now, Casey Clapp. From the Shrike, 10 out of 10. Oh, no doubt. Ten out of ten. How can you do how can you not give yeah. a bird that does that? And it's so successful all over the place. Anyway, yeah. Perfect score for the strike. Cue rock music. <laughs> yes, instead of milk, 
instead of the mini vandals milk will be taken out today <laughs> by some some black sabbath or something oh uh that would be so good uh a, a as things as things went black by the black Daddy murder oh all right as, as everything went black everything went black eh, there's one album i'll find like it that. you'll get it uh okay the Ow. thorn mimosa mimosa thorn thorn mimosa Casey. Damn it. I already forgot. Which one is it? I have Thorn Mimosa written down. Oh, okay. Good. That's what we want then. Okay. Are you sure? We can we can look it up after the show. We don't have to do this now. Let's do it. <laughs> I think this tree is pretty great. I I won't I mean, it is no it is no it's not news to anybody or shouldn't be news to anybody that I kind of take the aesthetics of a tree pretty seriously. Yeah. I yeah. just like aesthetic. I I like I like uh, visual, you know, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It pleases me. Mm-hmm. Um, this one doesn't look great when you're just kind of looking at it as a whole, but you get up close, and each of those elements is so beautiful and unique. Oh. But like my 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 analogy earlier, you know, you can't just take four. You could take five of the best basketball players in the world, put them on a team together, and that team could lose every game. It's true. Because it's about how they work as a team. It's not just about individual talent, right? I think. It is the best uh, sports metaphor you've ever done. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's about, that's a, I peaked. Um, I think that that's the case with the, with the Thorn Mimosa. Wonderful, unique characteristics on their own. Together, you step back, you go, holy shit, this is a mess. <laughs> but I give it, 8.5 golden cones of honor because I think those 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 things by itself make it great. I will apologize um or say you're welcome to our Australian friends. I don't know how this tree is seen in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said it's invasive. Usually invasive trees are hated. Yeah, and I think they have like a special term like it's a it's like a a countrywide significant noxious weed tree. All right, yeah. Yeah, I hear it's pretty bad. That sucks. Uh, and I'm sorry about that, but um, I don't live in Australia, so I'm giving it my... my. I'm giving this a score from my perspective, which is uh, behind a computer monitor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was our review of the Thorn Mimosa. Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A of taking a question, as we've been doing, as we will be doing in the future, from the... Patreon, if you want to get a question on the pod, patreon.com slash arbitrary pod and join the Quirks and Alders. That's Q and A. Casey, this week's question is from now. Hello, I recently became a Quirkus and Alder patron. Hey, because I enjoy your podcast and want to ask you a question. That's what I'm talking about. That Let's is textbook. It. Yeah, that is perfect. <laughs> My question isn't scientific. I'm glad I'm here. This podcast is not scientific. <laughs> I, I had a fruiting cherry tree and mm. a plum tree in my garden. Okay. They came from a, quote, ecologically conscious store that sells grafted trees for low cost. Okay. However, they were infected with black fungus and infested with aphids. Oh. I didn't want to use harmful chemicals to get rid of them, but ladybugs or, quote, natural compounds were unable to 
to manage these diseases. Mm-hmm. So I had to remove these trees. Mm. Since then, I see all the plants look uncomfortable and cursed when I plant them in the area where the cherry and plum trees used to be. Oh, no. Is it a problem of soil or rhizome remnants? Interesting. My grandmother used to say that tree ghosts will leave a curse when trees get mistreated. Man. I think the part of my garden is haunted because I removed them. Do you sometimes feel either positive or negative energy from trees or an area where trees were cut down? What shall I do to this area? What can I plant next? Wow. This is such an intense question. That's awesome. Yes. Well, so was this a, a quote, ecologically responsible nursery is that what that was yeah uh they came from a quote ecologically conscious store that sells Uh, grafted trees for low cost so maybe this was like uh the uh inbred cousin you know yeah it's possible i so the first thing with that there's a lot of layers to this uh i think we should start with that the let's let's do the let's do the what exactly was my first things with these trees each one of these trees uh they're stone fruits they're both in prunus plum and uh, cherry. That's right. They're very closely related to the point where they are both called prunus. Yes. So, both of them getting the same uh, diseases and infestations makes sense. Likely, right? Very likely. Not not out of the ordinary. Um, depending on where they were, if there was shade over the top, mm. if they consistently got water over the top of them. Also, if this was this year uh, in the Pacific Northwest, there was a very late spring, so there was a lot of water later in the year. Yeah. And the black um, often is a fungus. It could be a couple different things. Um, one, there are fungus that could produce some kind of spots on these fruit trees. Fruit trees are notorious for getting this. This is half the reason when we did our Japanese cherry, where I was like, stop planting these trees. Oh, oh my gosh. They get fungus. They just get fungus unless they're planted in places that are really good for them. Okay. Or you don't mind a tree that's kind of, you know, covered in fungus. But here's my real thought I think these two things are connected, Alex. I don't necessarily think they have anything to do with the soil, potentially. Because these trees, unless the soil is completely awful, will probably do just fine. Mm. The the thing that first jumps out of the, the, the page for me is this ecologically responsible uh, nursery. Yeah. Grafted trees, don't worry about it. Almost every tree that you're going to get that's a fruit tree is going to be grafted. However, if they're ecologically responsible, then they wouldn't be using uh, any chemically treated plants. They wouldn't have any pesticides, pesticides or herbicides. That's right. Them, which means you're more likely to get an infestation mm-hmm. then of some insect. In this case, aphids. If you have a bunch of aphids, they produce honeydew. When they produce honeydew in mass, which is essentially uh, the end product of their metabolism, they suck the juices of the trees and they take little trace elements of proteins and other different chemicals and compounds that they want. And then the rest is just essentially sugar water that they just send out the rear end. That will drip onto things and then you will get a sooty mold that grows on the sugary honeydew. I see. So... The black comes from the insects. The insects come from a tree that is not treated that is just kind of predisposed to getting that uh, that kind of infestation no matter what. Casey, that's all fine and well. Yes. But there's a second part to this haunting. There's a second part of this, Alex. That this land is cursed. <laughs> this land might be cursed. Yeah. So it's... 
I, I first off would wonder if the land is cursed, but the curse could be that there is something in the soil. The curse could be that there is too much shade over the top of this area. Sure. So it's literally this kind of dark space that didn't have enough sunlight to really push out the demons into some other spot. So I would say first check, check that. Check mm-hmm. to see if there is uh, enough sunlight. Get an EKG meter out there. Exactly. See if it's going to actually... It's called an EKG meter. I, it could be. It might as well be. Um, the other thing that you can do is go get some neem oil if that wasn't tried. Because there's a lot of these ecological things to help get rid of aphids um, that aren't quite so awful for the environment that are more natural remedies. Neem oil, um, like botanical soap is another thing, or botanical oil um, really helps with this. Hmm. Uh, or you can also just go out there and just use your fingers and just kind of go, and just kind of rip them off. and they, they squish very easily. Wow. Yeah. Ghost busted. Ghost busted. Hey, you know what? There's a there's a TV show uh, where people there's like a reality show uh-huh. where people write in and say my house is haunted. Yeah, yeah. And a team of like scientists and like uh, construction like architects and stuff. Uh-huh. Con- uh huh. What what is that called? Like yeah, like a contractor, are, con- like a yeah, carpenter, yeah. or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. They come out. And they go, oh, you hear, oh, the 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 floor is creaking upstairs when there's nobody up there. And they go up there and they're like, oh yeah, you have, uh, you have like <laughs> mildew that's like expanding uh, and it's pressing the floorboards down. And oh, or, that's, you know, like that's they so good. they they ghost bust through the use of like technology and science. Oh, I and I they love explain that. every problem that this 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 person is having that is beautiful uh we just did that with now i, I hope they charge to fix them too at the end of it They're oh. like oh and here's your bill <laughs> here's my card yeah. i'll be happy to take care of all this for well, you well alex there is one last thing that i should note uh, that we should discuss about that question okay do you think the spirits of trees haunt the space once they're gone i think yes i think yes alex and i think this yes in a very literal yet also metaphysical way where if I am uh, in an area and they cut down a nice tree and the tree's gone, mm-hmm. it haunts me. I look at it, I'm like, there used to be a big tree here. There used to be shade. There used to be something here. And that place has this like darkened, even though it's lighter, there's this darkened thing. There was a gigantic, gigantic black walnut tree where your dad used to live, where my mom still lives, right on the corner of the road as you pass the Safeway and you go down the hill, used to be this huge big tree. The biggest of this species I have ever seen, and they cut it down a few years ago, Mm. not weeks after I told my mom, just out of hand, if they ever cut down that tree, you call me. Wow. Then she took a picture of that tree stump and she's like, you mean this tree? And I was like, I I cried. Like it was the perfect tree. It was beautiful. I'm haunted every time I drive by. I look at that place and I also, not only am I haunted, I curse those people as I go by. It's like you guys are complete assholes. I guess it depends on your, your, uh, that's very sad. I'm sorry that happened. That's that's a huge bummer. I don't remember the tree you're talking about, but Mm. I'm sure I would if I I saw it. Yeah, if you saw a picture, you'd remember. It's been a long time since you've been there. That's true. I pass by every week. (laughs) (laughs) It's face still haunts me. (laughs) I guess it depends on your, your, uh, your definition of haunt. Mm, Yeah, I mean. spirit. I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I, I don't believe that this is a thing I although i understand what you're saying yeah i don't believe that you believe it's a thing but i under i believe that you believe what you believe is a thing um okay how many is a thing <laughs> okay i think i know where we're at <laughs> great 
Thank you for your question now. That's really interesting. I love those kinds of questions. I do, and I also love the spiritual significance that people have with trees. Like yeah. that's that is totally real. I don't necessarily have the ability to describe it. I don't know if anyone does, except for Nose Grandma. I mean, I have the I have that feeling with animals, certainly. Ah, yes. Um, as many people do. But yeah. I, I, I think maybe trees are less common, but of course a lot of our listeners, you included uh, feel uh, I, I suppose I do also feel mm-hmm. feel a, uh, an emotional sort of spiritual connection to to trees in the na- natural world. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, how could you not? I guess. Um, hey, if you want to ask us a question, get it on the podcast. Join the Patreon at the Quercus and Alders. That's Q and A tier for three dollars a month. We may just ask your question. We sure will. You can also join the Answer. Patreon. For just a dollar a month, give us some general support, uh, yeah. a tree hug, if you will. Uh-huh. There's also some better things going up. You move up to the uh, Arboretum level, Alex. Yes. You can listen to upwards of two new unheard episodes every month, only released on the Patreon. Uncut. There's nothing like it you'll ever find anywhere. <laughs> wow, what a claim. Then, $10 a month, that's the Cone of the Month Club, Alex. That's right. You get a unique die-cut cone sticker illustrated by a cool independent artist sent to your physical, actual mailbox Exactly. every month. You know every one of those envelopes was licked by the tongue of Mr. John Casey Clapp. <laughs> you remind us every week, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. Or you can join Arbitrary Plus, our new $15 tier, our live stream tier. Every month, you can watch me play a tree or nature-themed video game, and you get a live stream of Casey and I. We're going to do all sorts of cool shit. It's going to be a lot of fun. And you get to interact with us. Uh, holler at us in the chat. We'll, we'll chat back. Exactly. It's immediate gratification. Uh, that mm. also comes with access to our hidden cone store. <gasps> That's right. Also, if you sign up for $5 a month, you get 15% off our store all the time, every time. All purchases... There's just all kinds of fun shit happening over There's on the Patreon. There's just all kinds of fun stuff. You can also give us some generous admission, which is just saying, hey, I just want to support you guys and get more stuff. We have That's a lot right. of new things that are coming up this next year, and that is how we get the support. You're the best. We love y'all. And with that, Casey Clap. Oh, Alex. What a, what an episode. This was a fun one. I enjoyed it. I feel really good. I'm glad you did because this one this is a tree that has a lot going on. It was hard to pick, and I think we navigated things properly. I won't lie. Going into it, I was a little indifferent. Mm. As I sometimes am. That's very fair. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put on airs and say that I'm like one thousand percent fascinated in mm-hmm. every tree we talk about. You are a tree agnostic. I well we we can talk about that some other time. <laughs> Let's keep my personal views to myself. I see. I see. Uh, however, I, I half you know you introduced birds ripping their prey on the thorns of this tree. I yeah. really I really got into it. I would say <laughs> you're really you were sweating a little bit. Yeah, this you were on is, the edge of your seat. That was the that was the dark night of the soul in story parlance. Yes, this is exactly right. Yeah, uh, Casey Clap, Alex Croson. Thanks for the fun chat, my friend. Always, I'll see you next week. See you next week, and thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Uh, bye bye. Au revoir. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.